Greetings, and welcome to Words by Winter. I'm your host, writer Allison McGee, and we here at Words by Winter, and by we, I mean me, or maybe that should be I, want to know what you're going through, what uncertainties or troubles you're dealing with, maybe in the silence of your own mind and heart. Let me know so that I can go in search of some beautiful words to help you through. Hi, it's Allison, apologizing in advance for any cars, sirens, chirping birds, chainsaws, anything you ordinarily would not hear on a podcast because I don't have a studio, so I am recording this on my bed in a room with closed windows, but somehow I can still hear everything out there, and maybe you can too. I'm thinking about how when I was young, I wanted to be a writer more than anything in the world, but it appeared that no one in the world wanted to publish anything I wrote. So during one pre-internet fit of frustration, I started copying them myself at Kinko's and folding them and stapling them and leaving my stories lying around random coffee shops in my uptown neighborhood of Minneapolis. And one of those stories, about the psychotic chicken of my childhood who kept trying to kill me, somehow ended up in Manhattan with a late-night conservative talk radio host who read it out loud on his show. He gave listeners my P.O. box, and I started getting letters. One of the letters was from a man named Garvin Wong. And something about Garvin's letter, which he had typed on an ancient typewriter on the blank side of a recycled piece of paper and then mailed to me in a recycled envelope uh, charmed me and I wrote back. Thus began 18 years and hundreds and hundreds of letters between us, each one full of clippings and recipes and cartoons and little jokes that Garvin thought might make me laugh. Um, Listen to this for a second, will you? This is my little sound effect for you. That is the crinkling of old-time parchment paper. Lots of Garvin's letters were typed on paper like that. He was a quarter century older than me, and he had lived his entire life in the house in Queens where he grew up and where he took care of his parents until they both died. Garvin was a dentist. He worked in Chinatown in his uncle's dental office, and he also volunteered at a free pediatric clinic. He loved kids. And when he found out that I had three small children, he began sending them gifts, t-shirts, little trinkets he thought they might like, special Chinese candies. Every year on the Lunar New Year, a box of red bean paste cookies would arrive. He knew how much I loved them. And he knew how much I loved ginger. And every few months, another box of ginger treats would show up on the door. Ginger candy, dried ginger, ginger cookies, ginger tea. Garvin was a native English speaker, but he also spoke Cantonese, and I speak basic Mandarin. We used to celebrate our love of Chinese by sprinkling it throughout our letters, the characters for love, peace, and ginger, chief among them. A couple of years into this pen pal friendship, I finally met Garvin in person for the first time when I was in New York. But he could barely look at me. He kept glancing down 
and then looking up and asking question after question, kind of like a robot reporter. And after a while, I realized that he kept looking down because he had written out these questions on tiny little pieces of paper that he was holding in the palm of his hand. They were little conversation starters. Years later, he told me that he had been so nervous to meet me in person and so excited that he was afraid he wouldn't be able to say anything. He was that shy. After Garvin's mother died and he was living alone in his house, I invited him to visit us in Minneapolis and to my surprise, he agreed. He flew out for a week. It was his first time on a plane or out of the city in 37 years. My family and I took him to the park and the museums and the Stone Arch Bridge. He took us out to a Chinese restaurant. It was a week of simple family things. And later, his neighbor in Queens told me that he had told him it was the best week of his life. The years went by. Whenever I was in New York for publisher meetings or to visit my sister or to get my fill of galleries and museums, I would see Garvin. He would arrange an elaborate meal in Chinatown, complete with handmade menus full of punned names for each course. He loved puns, wordplay in general, and a theme for each dinner that he would think out months in advance. Afterward, we would wander around Chinatown and stop here and there so that he could fill all the empty Tupperware that he always carried around in his little backpack with fruits and vegetables, uh, enough to last him until his next trip down there. As time went on, my letters became a lot more frequent. He was old now, and those twice-weekly trips from Queens to Chinatown were harder and harder. He told me that he had to rest at the top and the bottom of the subway stops, and it was really difficult to do things in his house like mop up his basement, which tended to flood. He told me about his neighbor, Fun, who watched out for him and helped him carry heavy packages into the house. And then came the awful day when he called me from the hospital to say that he had fallen upstairs and lain there for two days until Fun discovered him and that he was pretty badly hurt and he didn't know when he would get back to his house. My sister and I, who were really worried, got him an iPad so that we could all FaceTime and we found an incredible specialist in elder care who helped coordinate his care and visited him. But in the hospital, it turned out that he had had never treated diabetes for most of his life. And they amputated his foot and everything went downhill from there. When I flew out to New York to visit him, he had a faraway look on his face. He told me that he had been talking to his father in his mind. When I got back to Minneapolis, I sent him one last letter in which I recounted our life together and all the years we had known each other, the small adventures we had had, the love and caring and kindness he had always shown me and my family. I told him that if and when he was ready to go, he should know that my love surrounded him. A day later, Garvin's heart stopped beating. Someone else decided to resuscitate him, but he died alone in the ICU the next night. I was not with him. I wish I had been with him.
it haunts me that he died without me. We organized a memorial service in Chinatown, and afterward, my sister and I took a few of his ashes and sprinkled them near his favorite places. Then I brought them back to Minneapolis so that I could watch over him. I think now of those little conversation starters he used to write out and hide in his hand. I think of how much so many of us hide in our hearts. Things we want to say but don't. Questions we're too shy to ask, like, Garvin, were you ever in love? Once, toward the end, when he sat across the table from me looking visibly tired and old, it came to me that with his profound shyness, it was possible that he had never kissed anyone, never held someone's hand. I reached across the table and picked his hand up. He said nothing. Neither did I. Maybe Garvin was much lonelier than I ever knew. Maybe he wasn't. It troubles me that I don't know the answers to these questions, and it troubles me that I never asked. It troubles me that even now, in the wake of this loss, I still hold questions inside me for and about the living people I most love in the world. How well can we ever truly know each other? What do we hold in our hearts that we won't or don't talk about? I think about my friend every day. Garvin comes back to me when I drink ginger tea, when I open up my kitchen cupboard to see one of his notes to me taped there, when his beautiful, smiling face comes swimming up on my photo gallery screensaver, or when I order soup dumplings in a Chinese restaurant. I think of the night that he, a man who never spoke about matters of the heart, told me that he thought of me as the daughter he had always wanted. In his last months, Garvin told me about his father, how he'd been talking to him in his mind and asking for advice. That unlike his mother, his father had been a comfort to him, a gentle, kind man who always listened to his painfully shy son, who loved him exactly the way he was. Whenever I think about Garvin and his father, I also think about this beautiful poem by Eileen Sheehan. My father, long dead, has become air, become scent of pipe smoke, of turf smoke, of resin, become light and shade on the river, become foxglove, buttercup, tree bark, become corncrake, lost from the meadow, become silence, places of calm, become badger at dusk, deer in the thicket, become grass, on the road to the castle, become mist on the turret, become dark-haired hero in a story written by a dark-haired child. Well, that is it for today's episode, and thank you for listening. If you liked it, please tell a friend and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Original music was composed and performed by musician and composer Dylan Parisi, who can be found on Instagram at Dylan dot field dot Parisi, P-E-R-E-S-E. Irish poet Eileen Sheehan's poem, My Father, Long Dead, was read by writer, podcaster, and voice artist Luke O'Brien, whose contact info can be found on our website. 
The poem is used by permission of the author and is from her poetry collection, The Narrow Way of Souls, which, by the way, is a beautiful book, published by Salmon Poetry. Words by Winter is created and hosted by me, writer Allison McGee, someone who as a little girl began relying on poems to help me transform and transcend the experience of living during those times when living itself feels too hard, too intense, just too much. If you yourself are facing a passage in life that's troubling, that's taking up a lot of your internal emotional energy, that's maybe making you feel lonely or lonelier, reach out. Whoever you are, whatever age, whatever place in life, send me a voice memo via email to wordsbywinterpodcast at gmail.com or write to me at the same address, which again is wordsbywinterpodcast at gmail.com. For more info, go to alisonmcgee.com and click on the Words by Winter podcast page. Words by Winter. Conversations, reflections, and poems about the passages of life. Because it is rough out there, and we have to help each other through. Mm-hmm.